So it's great to be with you. We're just going to uh, start this morning with a DVD clip from Stuart, uh, our senior pastor, who's going to introduce uh, today to us. Thanks, guys. Hello, everyone. Today is Pentecost Sunday, the day we celebrate the Holy Spirit invading the upper room that was filled with followers of Jesus who were waiting for what God had promised. They heard the sound of a rushing wind and saw flames of fire appear. These, of course, are symbols of power. We return to Romans chapter 8 to discover a life of power in the Spirit. This same power for living is available for all of us today. An exciting study to conclude our series. God bless you all. Have a great day. You, however are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. That's great, thanks. I'm going to read rather than uh, the voice on here. I think my voice is better. No, don't. No, don't. <laughs> so if, if you turn to Romans chapter 8, and uh, I'm just going to read from verses 9 to 13. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit. If the spirit of God lives in you... And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. But it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Well, Pentecost Sunday. It's a day that... um, brings a dichotomy into the thought patterns of many Christians, not only in our nation, but around the world. There are some, when they consider the Holy Spirit, or if you're King James, the Holy Ghost, uh, will look upon it with elements of fear. There are others who look with elements of anticipation. For me, the clue is in the name, Holy Spirit. Holy. It's God-given. It's the blessing of God for every one of us. And I'm going to open up this morning, hopefully unpack within a few minutes, what the blessing of God is all about by the anointing, the empowerment, the unction, the blessing, whatever phraseology you want to put, the application of the Holy Spirit of God to our lives. The Holy Spirit is there, the promised comforter, the promised enricher for us in our faith. So I see the Holy Spirit as being the indwelling Spirit. Romans 8 verse 9, if you are in the Spirit, the Spirit of God lives in you. (coughs) The Spirit of God lives in you. How about that? Waking up and having your Weetabix in the morning. And considering the facts that the Spirit of God dwells within us. The indwelling Spirit. There's the identifying Spirit. There's something 
on the life of a Christian when the Holy Spirit touches their life that marks them out from the crowd. In chaos, there can be peace. In a sense of not knowing what the future holds, there can be a clear destiny given. In the sense of wondering what on earth will happen next, there's a satisfaction that life is in the hands of a holy God. Because of the work of the Holy Spirit in us, indwelling, identifying. There's the invigorating presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We all need a bit of invigorating, don't we? I struggle sometimes to wonder what it must be like for for people who consider themselves, and I use that word carefully, consider themselves to be Christians, but have no excitement about God. I struggle with that. There's something within me that so often I cannot contain when I consider what God has done for me, the work of sending Jesus to pay the price for my sin, that I know I'm going to heaven one day. That assurance within me, and yet I speak to people and say, well, how's, how's your life going? I was going, oh, oh. And yet again, oh. And sometimes, you know, it's just my character. I want to grab them by the arms. I want to shake them up and say, wake up, wake up. No, I, I can't do that. But I long for everybody to experience the Holy Spirit. You see, for some people, there's fear in life. Let's be honest about the Holy Spirit. We read about holy fire. We read about ruarks. That's very strong winds. We need about tornadoes occurring in an upper room in Jerusalem. And that can phase us. Naturally, that would phase me. But the reality is, we miss out the fact of the Holy Spirit resembling a dove, which is peaceful, which is sensitive. And the Holy Spirit is there to meet us where we are and to serve the purposes of God in our life So we can serve what God wants us to do. And you know, for me being such an introverted person, that's such a release in life. It's something of being in the place that I I can feel comfortable if I'm in a cathedral where everything is very formal, liturgical. And likewise, I can be with a group of Christians who can't stop dancing when the worship's going. Why? Because it's the touch of the Holy Spirit on my life. And for every one of us today, it's the promised Holy Spirit who has been sent for our benefit, who has been sent to bring color to life, who has been sent to bring a difference to life that makes each day worth living. So the Holy Spirit is an invigorating spirit. The Holy Spirit, we read in verse 11 there, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you. It's the immortalizing Spirit of God.
So to summarize those four points, what does it mean to us in our daily life? We wake up in the morning, thank God for life, thank God for a new day, invite the Holy Spirit to come in. And then what do we expect? Well, for many of us, we don't know what's going to happen on a daily basis. We've got good diaries, we've got good iPads, we've got plans for jobs to be done and all of those things. But the reality of life, we do not know what's going to happen. I was trundling along the fast lane of the M18 on the 8th of May, going about my own business, keeping within the speed limits, keeping a good distance between me and the cars in front. I saw lots of red lights coming on in the distance and thought, ah, we need to slow down on this. So as I'm coming to a slowdown and almost to a stop, bang, in the back of my car, which pushed me forward and did all my car in. That's why I'm in, a, in my third loan car, because they keep on extending the period of time for my car and it's mending. I've asked them if it's written off, and they said, no, no, I, I think they've gone past the point of writing it off. They've done too much on it. I think I, I'm going to have a rebuilt car by the end of it. But you see, the fact, what I'm illustrating this, when I woke up on that morning, even, even minutes before driving along that motorway, I did not expect that accident to take place. But you know, in that moment, surrounded by fast lorries and all the other stuff that goes on uh, on the motorway, there's a guy in a car can shout out, God help me. And I can get out of that car. Something of a peace was with me that can only be brought to my life by the Holy Spirit. And you know, if we can live out our lives, we don't know what to expect. We expect good things to happen, don't we? And great, the Holy Spirit's still there. How different could life be for some of us? To look forward to the day and expect great things. We read there was 120 people gathered in a room. This was a room where scholars state the Last Supper had been held. It was close to the tomb of David in Jerusalem. This 120 people were up there. Some of them, they were in fear for their lives. Others were running away from their own situations because... They believed in God. They thanked God for Jesus. They were mourning that Jesus had been crucified and died. Others were there with anticipation. were saying, come on, come on. Jesus has promised the comforter to come. And others weren't being convinced. How many people at that time were thinking of how could they get out the door maybe? And where could they go? Is there a place far away from Jerusalem? They could go and hide themselves. But no, these 120 people were praying together in this upper room when suddenly something happened. A violent wind came into that room. Now, we don't read that the windows were open or the doors were open. It's highly likely that all the windows were closed, which will be wooden boards uh, that come together on shutters, It's highly likely that the door was shut, maybe even locked because of fear in some lives. But in that sealed unit 
Where no other explanation could take place apart from the work of God, the Holy Spirit came and touched lives. And these people started speaking in languages that they didn't understand. We call it speaking in tongues. It's heavenly language that came into their lives. And there we we see that Jesus had promised in John chapter 14, verse 16, that he would send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to make a difference when he had moved on. These people, all of a sudden, were empowered. Can I say that again? These people, all of a sudden, were empowered. Now, when I'm doing medication reviews, I use the term empowerment with patients with regard to the knowledge of the medication. I say to them, look, I want you to be empowered in the knowledge of your medication. It means to have a fuller understanding. It means to have a greater experience. It means to have a knowledge that can be applied to situations of life and that knowledge making a difference. And here we find 120 people in a whole variety of emotions and thoughts at that time being empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. When was the last time we felt empowered by the Holy Spirit of God? I don't just mean in the church environment. I mean out in community, out in our homes. Where we can say, God, would you help me in Suddenly a peace can come to our life. Somehow a presence can be felt close to us as the Holy Spirit begins to touch our lives. The Holy Spirit has always existed. The Holy Spirit wasn't just made by God, recorded in Acts chapter 2. We believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And from that, we can look through the Old Testament and see time and time again the workings of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 11, verse 19, we see that God promises to put his spirit within his people. And then in Joel 2, verse 28, we see the promises there of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on young and old. And then in the New Testament, of course, we've already quoted where Jesus promises the Holy Spirit will be coming. What benefits can we experience today by allowing the Holy Spirit to touch our lives? I love that term, fruits of the Spirit. Have we heard that? It's recorded in Galatians there, where we're told that we can experience the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23. We read this. But the, spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let me just say those again. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How better would our communities be if the fruits of the Spirit were freely shown? 
I don't just mean with a traffic warden about to give you a ticket. Showing the fruits of the Spirit and bringing forgiveness. I'm, I'm, I'm talking here of something that tangibly would be in place. And you know, folks, we can be in a place where we ask the Holy Spirit to come. And we can ask that the fruits of the Spirit will be shown out in our lives for the blessing of others. It's an interesting thing when you look. We use the term fruits of the Spirit, but but the actual biblical translation is in the singular. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. And with that, we can see there are nine attributes to the fruit of the Spirit. So it's not that we have to be asking for nine different things. We can say, come Holy Spirit. Fill my life. Let me know the fruit of the Spirit and live out the nine attributes. Then that, for me, is brilliant. It's a one-stop hit where we can receive from God and feel a blessing on our lives. And then there's the gifts of the Spirit, which we all know about. And you can imagine what it must have been like there in Acts chapter 2. As the Holy Spirit came in power upon those people, was given, and then they could request, they could ask for the manifestation within their lives of the gifts of the Spirit. We know there's three gifts of revelation. There's wisdom, knowledge, discerning of spirits. There's the gifts of power, faith, healing, miracles. There's the gifts of communication, prophecy, kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues and out of this I find some fantastic pieces of information facts of the Christian faith which for me have been so helpful over the years firstly the Holy Spirit is promised to all ages the Holy Spirit is promised to all ages there's nothing in scripture which minimizes or restricts the work of the Holy Spirit. When we were in Argentina, we went to Ray de Ray's church in Buenos Aires. And there it's a large church in its own right, but, but the children actually have their own church services led by teenagers. Amazing to see, amazing to observe, that you go into this complete child church led by teenagers. And to see the passion of worship to see the prayer of, of these kids, all its very squeaky voice sounds. But dearie me, the presence of God is, is awesome. And when those kids go and pray for people, they, they go out in groups in communities in Buenos Aires. They, they purposefully look for people who are sick and have problems in life and go and lay hands on them and expect miracles to take place. We were privileged to be prayed for when, when we were there. And what an experience to have a whole gaggle of a dozen kids around you. And we didn't, we didn't know the language, but you could tell what was going on because we felt it. There was something of a great anointing being put upon our lives as these kids for prayer. You see, when the Holy Spirit moves, it can be gentle. But the outpouring, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit through those kids is incredibly powerful. 
In their local communities, they go and pray for civic dignitaries. They, they, they go and pray for the councillors and, 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 and uh, company owners. And, uh, they don't restrict themselves for what they're praying about. They live their lives in faith and they speak it out. The Holy Spirit is promised for all ages. I will pour out my spirit upon all ages. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men will dream dreams. Young men will have visions. God never goes back on his promises. My dad, who'd been a minister at the age of 81 years, years ago now, we, we'd been ministering uh, in, in Hull, and he'd been babysitting for us. He'd come over from Blackpool and been babysitting for us at that time. And we got home that night, probably about 11 o'clock at night, and there is my dad, uh, an 81-year-old retired minister, and uh, he wanted to know what had got, gone on. So we shared that many people had been blessed and lots of uh, the ministry team had been working and we'd seen healings and all sorts of things like that. And, and there, by the fireplace, he said, well, pray for me. He said, I want a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit of God. He was 81. Served the purposes of God. I know I'm biased, but he'd done brilliantly in his work for God. Planted loads of churches and all sorts of stuff like this. Here he was in, what shall we call, advanced retirement, having babysat for our kids, stood by the hearth at 81 Grundale in Kirkella. And he said, lay hands on me and ask for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. So there's his son and daughter-in-law, loving dad, the woman passed away years before. And we said, Holy Spirit, would you just come? Something gentle, nothing rocket science took place on that hearth rug. And my dad went all limp. I helped him and led him on our nice deep pile hearth rug. And he was having a time with God that was special. So we put the kettle on and had a cup of tea, had some toast, went back in the living room and dad was still there. Should we go to bed? Shall we wait? No, let's put the kettle on again. So we put the kettle on again and uh, we had another cuppa and we, we decided that it, we just didn't feel right to sit in the living room where this was going on. This is a special God moment for my dad. And you know, after about an hour and a half, uh, my dad sat up and I looked at him and there's this 81-year-old guy who'd really served God, glowing. There was something that had come upon my dad that was unique and special. And I said, what's going on? He said, I haven't had a touch from God like that for years. And that's a self-same man who lived a few more years, but found himself re-energized in his evangelism and going to loads of people and telling the stories of his life, how he was really missing my mum. Missed her so, so much. But God had sent the Holy Spirit, who recently he was appreciating more and more. A guy in a, on a car park 
at a supermarket in Cleveland, was pulling all the trolleys together. And the Holy Spirit nudged my dad, go and have a chat. So my dad went over, he said, uh, you're doing a good job. So this is my dad talking to a guy who was a teenager to me. Dad was probably in his 70s, but, you know, my dad's there. You're doing a really good job with that, yeah. Can I just share something with you? So this man said, yeah, thinking my dad was going to give him a tip. He said, you know, he said, I lost my wife many years ago. He said, and naturally I've been so lonely. He said, but I felt I should just come and tell you that God has made all the difference to me and the Holy Spirit is helping me. Tears start flooding down the, the face of this man who was gathering these trolleys. He said, I, I lost my wife two years ago. He said, I, I am just so lonely. My dad led him to Jesus over a pile of shopping trolleys in a car park as a supermarket in Cleveland. And that man never been the same since. He's probably gone to be with Jesus now. My dad found himself in situations, not just shops, walking along the street and just feeling he should just go up to somebody and say, can I just share something with you? And my dad being an old boy, you know, they think, oh, let's take sympathy on this old geezer. <laughs> Little did they know what they was touching. The presence of God was tangible because the Holy Spirit had touched his life. And my dad was willing to do what he thought had finished in his life. The Holy Spirit is promised to all ages. The, Jesus promised his disciples the comforter will come. The Holy Spirit will come and make a difference in your life. I can never remember a time in, in the history of the church that I know of where there's been such an openness to the Holy Spirit. But also, never such a time when there's been so many closed doors. I meet people who are so open to the Holy Spirit and they, they can't help but share what's going on. And then other people who say, no time for that. They're in, they're in the Bible, but pff, not a time for me. I love those people. To be able to share with them what Jesus has done for me. You see, we're blessed, aren't we, with free will. We, we got, God has given us that. We, we've got the ability to say yes or no. And the opportunity is there for us this morning at a live Wyndham to say, I'm going to say yes to the Holy Spirit, to retouch my life, to fill me, so that I can serve the purposes of God and live out my days fully completing God's work in my life. Thirdly, read the comforter has been given and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are to be asked for. People can be disappointed in the Christian faith. Almost like Oliver. Do you remember Oliver Twist, the, the story that he wrote there? And those of you who may have read the book or seen the film or know about it, can you remember a time where, where Oliver, with his fellow little comrades, they, they were in the, in the poorhouse, they were in the workshop, serving the purposes, and, uh, and then they were taken on by the beadle, the, the local man that would take control of them and put them in this home and, and one morning these lads were starving and they decided that Oliver should be the bloke to go and ask for more porridge 
And the image is there in my mind from the film, as well as reading the book of this little boy walking all the way to the front uh, of this great hall and speaking to the, to the heads of that orphanage with an empty bowl and saying, please could I have some more? And the chaos that took place following that. We can come with our bowls as often as we want to a holy God. We can ask with confidence. We can ask in an atmosphere of love. We can ask in an atmosphere of affection. We, we can ask in the atmosphere of God saying, I want you to ask. Bring your empty bowls, whatever that empty bowl may be. Finance in the home, food in the cupboards, situations in the workplace, situations in community, whatever. We, we can bring our empty bowls to a holy God and say, please, can I have some more? And with confidence, God will supply. And it's when we have the comforter, the Holy Spirit there to be with us, he can bring that peace in our life. He can be that transformation, maybe, of our minds that we need Rather than hiding behind the curtains or hiding behind the chair and being frightened to ask, we can stand up, hold our hands out and say, please God, would you help me? Can you begin to imagine this morning in Wyndham, if there was a move of the Holy Spirit of such an order which started in here this morning and found its way out into our community, out into our places of work, out into the places where we do our shopping, that we just be ourselves. But something of our very presence, being in that place, will influence lives and impact them and affect them. How many people have got empty bowls today in society that need filling? And by the grace of God, we have got the answer of what they need. Come, Holy Spirit of God. We read there in Acts chapter 1 verse 4, the Holy Spirit will come to those who wait. I will send the promise of my Father upon you. We read in Acts 1 verse 4. But you wait. If you've got the King James, it says tarry in Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit from God. I've got my own thoughts on the word wait. I don't look upon it as waiting at a bus stop, doing nothing, being dormant and waiting. I am waiting for the second coming of Jesus, the return of Jesus, to pick us up and take us back. We need to talk more about that. It's the whole dynamic of our, of our Christian life. We've got something to look forward to. We've got something to expect. I can remember as a child... It is almost every service, the choruses, the songs. It was all talking about the second coming of Jesus. I, I was taught as a child, and I still believe it to this day, that Jesus can come any second. I can be speaking to you now. Bang, Jesus comes, we're gone. Hey? We don't talk about it enough in church. We're not excited about second coming. And look, it's what our faith is all about. We're going to heaven. We're off to heaven. We're off to heaven. Not a cheapy DP coach trip to Skeggy. We're going to heaven. 
Now then, whether we go on a jolly train that's coming around the mountainside and we're shouting when she comes, I, I don't give a monkeys about that. The important thing is Jesus has said, I'm coming back. Oh, come on. I'm coming back. No hot air balloons. I've conquered these days because it's finished. But whatever. We are going to be with Jesus. And you know, if there's something that can find a resting place in our lives afresh this day, that reassurance, that fresh knowledge that Jesus comes, the Bible says, in the twinkling of an eye. You can't get much faster than that, can you? Bang! Jesus comes. And that's it. How excited. Let's have a challenge today. You know how excited I am. But how excited are we about the second coming of Jesus? Does it drive us in our life? Does it give us that oomph that we need in life, that we have a future that is eternal? Not in a place called hell where God isn't, but in heaven, in the presence of God, our creator. In fellowship with Jesus, experiencing more of the Holy Spirit than we've ever experienced before. This is what we're talking about. This is what took place in an upper room when the Holy Spirit came and just touched those lives. And they were different forevermore. The keyboards took on a new meaning. Brilliant though it is. The guitars. Melodies of an order that was never heard before. The carpenters went out and produced Chippendale furniture. Who knows what went on? I believe something different mightily took place for those people on that day. Fifthly, the Holy Spirit comes to empower those who wish to serve God. Can I say that again? The Holy Spirit comes to empower those who wish to serve God. Wow, creator God looking for willing hands, looking for willing feet, looking for an 81-year-old retired minister who asked for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. And he began a journey afresh that even in the latter days of his life he could write a phenomenal book about if he'd have had the opportunity. He wasn't bored. You know, my dad used to phone, phone me up, ask how my ministry was going. I, I couldn't get a word in edgeways. He was going. I, he phoned up to see how I was doing, and he couldn't stop telling me how he was doing. <laughs> Daily, his life took on a new order. Can I respectfully ask today, how are your days filling, filled relating to your faith in God? Do you get excited about your chat times with God that we call prayer? Is there something that pings within your heart, your very spirit? And say, oh, I've just had a great chat with God. It's not like going to the dentist where we're expecting pain. Don't wait in the waiting room for God. Let's stand up, folks. Don't, don't do that now, I'm talking in like. Let's stand up. Take a fresh look at our faith and purpose to enjoy. Can I say that? Purpose to enjoy our faith in God. 
the Holy Spirit comes, there's got to be a cleansing in preparation. That means getting our life in order. has been a major challenge for me over the years. I've seen all sorts of extremes how that's been done. I've seen challenges to life to look at what we have in the home, what we watch, what we listen to. Challenges to how I do things and what I do and all things like that, which have all honed me bit by bit. Please, God, to be more like what God wants me to be. I am nowhere near a finished article. I am totally imperfect. But I have got a desire to be more like Jesus wants me to be. And that is all he's asking for. I, I get great consolation from that. That I can come and say, God, I did my best. But I really messed up on that, didn't I? Please forgive me. And I'm waking up in the morning to expect more from you. So in closing, there were these people in, in an upper room. Tom, Dick, Harry, Mary, Jeannie, Helen, and the rest. They asked the Holy Spirit to come. And he came. 